And we're delighted that you're able to spend some time with us this afternoon on uh, Chin in Ottawa. We're at 97.9, worldwide available at www.chinradioottawa.com. And we have Ernie Tannis in for the ADR program as usual, the first half of uh, the Monday, Tuesday editions. And today Ernie has uh, some very knowledgeable studio guests. And I guess it's uh, immigration issues today, right, Ernie? Yes, indeed. Here we are on our our show number 252 here on December 21st, 2009. Interesting enough, Gary, today is winter solstice and it looks like the subject being uh, immigration policy in Canada. Is there one? It may be. It's frozen. So this panel is going to help us thaw out this issue uh, and could be uh, planning a seed for the future after our five-year run on February 1st. We can reboot the show in another way and maybe because this show cannot be more multicultural than it is now. So I'd like to welcome our guests here today is Margaret Coppola, which I'll explain how we met um, and how you got. Thanks for facilitating the show, Margaret. My pleasure. And uh, James, Joe Bissette, <coughs> he doesn't mind us calling him, a, a retired diplomat, uh, also committed to the field. Thanks for coming in, Joe. Well, I greatly appreciate being here, Ernie. And Julie Taub, is that right? Did I pronounce that right? Thank you, Julie, for coming in today. She's a, a lawyer in Ottawa in the field, and we'll be talk, hearing from more about her later. Thank you for inviting me. Well, you know, Gary, you and I know something about uh, immigration. My uh, my father was born in Lebanon. You were your parents are from Lebanon. I was born here. Were you born here? I can't remember. Of course, I was. Yeah, of course. So my wife Yumna was born in Lebanon, and so we understand. Uh, this, and I want to thank Hashem from Lebanese and Ottawa for circulating the notice of the show today. Um, how this came about was uh, I've known a fellow for years named Harry Weldon, and he called me a few weeks ago to go to an event called POG, Peace, Order, and Good Government. It's just ironical that the speaker of that Saturday was the Honorable Jean Richard, former Chief Justice of the Court of Appeal, the Federal Court of Appeal, who is now Honorary Chair of Reach, and so I bumped into him, and then at that meeting I met um, uh, Margaret Coppola, uh, very involved in media and very active in this um, in this area. And then one thing led to another to discuss things. And I talked about Madeline Weld being um, on this show on the Population Institute with Paul Bendis. And then when I looked at the Canada's uh, website on immigration policy, it says Canada's immigration policy is the most explicit part of what might be described as population policy, the pink elephant in the room that nobody wants to talk about. We are going to talk about it all today, though. There's 3,000, 50,000 hits on Google. I didn't get a chance to read everything uh, this morning to prepare for the show, but it's a big topic, but we're going to take it uh, slow but sure, and our panel is going to help educate the public. So I'm going to turn over to you, Margaret Coppola, former television broadcaster, chair of the National Debaters Forum, a freelance columnist. You can reach her at margaretcoppola.com and a political activist on constitutional immigration issues. And I'm going to ask her to talk about herself, her commitment, and she's going to introduce our guests. And thank you for uh, facilitating. Well, my pleasure, Ernie. As you, as you accurately noted here, I, um, uh, my background is in film and television production. But latterly, I have been writing, uh, was until recently writing columns for the Ottawa Citizen, where I became, in the course of my research, became very familiar with some of the more pressing issues uh, that Canada faces on the immigration file. Um, when I, um, when POG, the organization you mentioned earlier, of which I'm a member, when POG decided that it would become a more proactive on some of the public policy issues in this country, um, it was a question of what should be pursued, and we unanimously decided that immigration was something we should we should look into more thoroughly. To cut to the chase, the upshot of that was that POG, along with a number of other organizations in the country from across Canada, 
have since joined forces to become founding members of a, a new organization that will launch hopefully as soon as February called Canadians for Immigration Reform, Canadien pour une réforme de l'immigration. Um, in short, its uh, objective is to do nothing short of uh, persuading our our political parties and ultimately our government to uh, alter our um, Immigration Act, the 2001 um, Immigration and uh, Refugee Protection Act. Um, to that end, we are assembling uh, some of the most distinguished practitioners, academics and activists in the country, very knowledgeable on the subject of immigration. And uh, and that includes uh, environmentalists, uh, population, people who are knowledgeable, population issues, um, uh, econo- ec- economists, political scientists, uh, demographers, as well as people who have already who are already very proactive in the area. So, without any further ado, I would like to introduce two of uh, two distinguished members of our um, advisory board. Uh, Joe Bissett is a former ambassador and uh, head of the Department of Immigration. And and Julie Taub, who will speak uh, uh, subsequently, is an immigration um, and refugee um, lawyer, expert in that area. So, Joe, please. Thank you very much, uh, Margaret. Uh, I'm delighted to be here because I think uh, a discussion about immigration policy is uh, topical and extremely important. Uh, we've heard the expression that uh, we're all immigrants and that Canada is a country of immigrants. There's a great deal of truth in that, but uh, I think the current policy has uh, gone a bit of a stray. But before I talk about that, I'll tell you a little bit about <clears throat> about myself. Uh, I was born in uh, Winnipeg uh, and grew up in Winnipeg, surrounded by uh, uh, immigrants, mainly Ukrainian, Polish, uh, Icelanders, and. Um, I, I, uh, when I got out of university, I wanted to get into the field of immigration, and I was able to do that. And so my whole 35-year career in the public service of Canada, apart from the times when I was the ambassador uh, or an ambassador, has been really dedicated and involved with either immigrants or refugees. Uh, I spent uh, four years in London as the officer in charge of the immigration department there, And I became the Director General of the Immigration Foreign Service, which at that time was not part of foreign affairs. Um, And uh, it was during part of that period that I I helped on the small task force that designed the so-called point system. Uh, I'll tell tell you a little bit uh, more about that later on. I I then, uh, we got absorbed into foreign affairs, the Immigration Foreign Service in 1980, and I became the assistant undersecretary of state for social affairs in the Department of External Affairs and spent uh, two or three years, again, dealing primarily with refugee issues on a policy level. I was then, for, as a reward, I was sent as the high commissioner for uh, Trinidad and Tobago. And I was enjoying my time there down on the beaches and the calypso and the music and the weather when I was abruptly called back to uh, become the head of the Canadian Immigration Service in 1985. And from 1985 to 90, I was the number one man in immigration, primarily struggling with an attempt to get a reformed refugee bill through the House of Commons through Parliament. Uh, We managed to do that, but at the last minute, it was was, uh, uh, scuttled. Uh, I went to uh, Yugoslavia as the ambassador there. 
I retired from the Foreign Service in 1992 and went off to Moscow to help the Russian government uh, uh, design a, a, a new Immigration and Citizenship Act and also to help uh, design programs to reabsorb the Russian citizens who were coming back to Russia from the uh, former members of the Soviet Union. So I spent another roughly five years in Moscow. So uh, that's my background. My my concern is that while Canada, uh, at the end of the Second World War, uh, had a pretty tough immigration act uh, that was passed in 1952, uh, which tried to attract uh, skilled people to Canada and did so, it, it was at that time an all-white policy. In other words, Mackenzie King, who was the prime minister, made it clear that uh, we should not change the fundamental characteristics of the population by large-scale uh, migration. In effect, it was uh, an act that uh, was designed to select white people, and people from Asia and Africa had some chance of getting in, but very little. In 1960, uh, the government decided to change that, and uh, the problem was if you open up immigration to the world, how do you control the numbers? Uh, you might depopulate Hong Kong in six months. Uh, and so we had to design a system that would enable us to get the people we wanted and to control the numbers. And we did that in this f famous point system. We allotted mm -hmm. points to the nine factors of selection on their education, their occupation. Uh, that served us well. In 1976, there was a new Immigration Act that came into effect that incorporated the point system legally in the Act and also uh, acknowledged for the first time that we were... Uh, we had a refugee policy. Up until 1976, the word refugee was not, uh, in, not in Canadian legislation. So uh, everything went quite well. We, we were known throughout the world as the best uh, managed immigration policy globally. And uh, many other countries copied our point system. Uh, that all kind of came to an end in, uh, in the late 1980s and 1990s when the government became more concerned, not just the Conservative government at the time, but also the Liberals and the NDP began to realize that immigration uh, should be increased because uh, each immigrant was a potential voter. And so the emphasis since 1990 was getting people here, uh, whether they really had the occupation, skills and training that was needed. The important thing was to get numbers. And uh, since that time, since 1990, we brought in four million immigrants to Canada. The problem is a lot of them are not selected for their skills. 17% of the immigrants today are selected because they have skills, training, education. The rest are coming in because they have relatives, which includes parents, grandparents, uh, spouses, children, and uh, humanitarian cases and refugees. So the selection is really gone by the boards. And I think that's a serious problem. The other problem is that uh, almost 85 to 90 percent of the immigrants go to three cities. So you've got three cities in Canada that are attempting to absorb a quarter of a million people every year. And that's causing Toronto, Vancouver, and to a lesser extent Montreal with very serious problems, environmental problems. So in my view, and I'll get to this a little later perhaps, immigration is out of control. We're just taking too many people too fast and they're not doing well. Over 50% of the new immigrants here are living below the poverty line. 
Wow. Well, what's under, what's in control is the knowledge of the field. I mean, that's an incredible summary in a few minutes of a vast history. And I want to thank you very much for that, Joe. And as you said, we will get to other things later in part two tomorrow. We're going to get into some very interesting specifics. So thank you for setting up the groundwork for that. I was uh, intrigued as you were talking. So I'm going to go back to you, uh, Margaret, to introduce our, our next panel member. Indeed. Julie Tobe is a bilingual immigration and refugee lawyer here in Ottawa. She's a former member of the Immigration and Refugee Board um, and was a speaker at a conference on Canada, Immigration and Multiculturalism in Canada, in Washington, D.C. in January of 2008, uh, which was organized by the U.S. State Department. Um, of course, she's interested in immigration reform and security issues. So, Julie, thank you. Well, just before you start, I just want to remind listeners, we're on 97.9 FM, Chin Radio, heard worldwide over the internet at chinradioottawa.com. And we're going to go to uh, Julie Taub now, and we're going to give you some equal airtime. So after the break, we can take a chance to continue on, and then we'll discuss more things after the break. So please begin. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much again for having me on this show. My background, um, actually, I came to Canada as an infant, as an immigrant. I was born in on the border of Hungary and Czechoslovakia, so I ended up somehow with two birth certificates. But, <laughs> and uh, more significant is the fact that I was, I am a child of Holocaust survivors and a sister of a Holocaust survivor. I grew up in Toronto. But then after my marriage ended up in um, Ottawa, and I was a school teacher, a high school teacher first, and I ended up teaching with the French Public Board after it was created from the Ottawa Board of Education. And um, my latest assignments were in French public high schools that were predominantly multicultural. That's how I got hands-on experience in multicultural uh, community and refugee community. I did a career change at the age of 41, went to law school, became a lawyer, and I started practicing and was shortly thereafter appointed to the Immigration and Refugee Board. That's how I got my expertise and my interest, in addition to my background as an immigrant, in this field. After my assignment to the Immigration and Refugee Board, I decided to practice exclusively in the area of immigration and refugee practice. And that's what I do today. And as was already discussed, I am very interested in immigration reform because it is necessary. The Immigration and Refugee Protection Act of 2002 is the legislation that's currently in effect. These draft bills were started in 1999, 2000, and 2001 after 9-11. After the terrorist attack in New York in 9-11, there was absolutely no changes made to the bill that became the Immigration and Refugee Protection Act. I was involved with it. I had intimate knowledge of what was going on, and, and I was just astounded that they made no changes to improve the security. The Immigration and Refugee Protect, uh, Protection Act, uh, as it's called today, IRPA, which was implemented by the liberal, a liberal government in 2002, I have to state, based on my experience, based on my knowledge, my hands-on experience and knowledge, is innately flawed and has created a dangerously dysfunctional immigration system in Canada. 
And these are some of the issues that I will discuss in the next portion of the show. I'll give, I will give uh, details. IRPA is fraught with loopholes and tax rules which actually encourage fraud, pose security threats to Canada, and facilitate illegal immigration while simultaneously creating roadblocks to legitimate immigration and to legitimate refugee claimants. As a result, thousands of immigrants and uh, uh, immigrants, permanent residents, and Canadians have become victims of immigration fraud. Well, thank you very much. Uh, that was the voice of Julie Taub in conversation with James Bissett and with our facilitator, Margaret Coppola, on our alternative dispute resolution show here on uh, Canada's immigration policy is there one we're going to go to a break now and come back and pick up uh, a lot of the great information we've learned and uh, we're going to listen to more about julie and begin a discussion on other points time for another tin radio traffic update well, according to Ottawa Police, it looks like we are finding some problems now at Richmond in the 417, an accident in the 500 block of St. Patrick, as well finding some troubles at Richmond and Holly Acres. No reports of any accidents, though, on the Queensway, as well as the 416. Traffic for Mark Motors, get more for less with Audi's new 2010 A3 TDI, get up to 1,100 kilometres per tank with the turbocharged clean diesel engine, markmotorsofottawa.com. I'm Atal Sperling, and that's the latest traffic on Chin 97.9. Sellison Marco, 215 Preston Street, invites you to celebrate the arrival of a brand new year with the band Showtime. You'll enjoy the customary fabulous Sellison Marco New Year's Eve Gala, featuring a seven-course dinner, crostini of Samoni, Italian antipasto, pasta, smelts, calamari, giardino salad, filet mignon, and there's also the 50-foot-long midnight sweet table and buffet. Reserve now. Call Sellison Marco at 613-238-6063. Bring in 2010 with Showtime at Salas and Marco. Lots of sunshine today, and uh, the sun will be with us over the next few days with the odd cloudy period. The good news is we uh, get closer to uh, the holiday weekend coming up with Christmas and Boxing Day on Saturday. It is going to be milder in the National Capital Region, minus 9, the high for this afternoon. We're currently at minus 12. Overnight tonight, down to minus 17. Tomorrow's high, minus 12. And then for Wednesday, minus 4. We're around 0 on Thursday and Friday, and possibly up to plus Four degrees on Saturday, Boxing Day. That's the vantage point from this Monday anyway. 1249, and we're back to the ADR show here on Chin at 97.9. Here's Ernie Tannis. Well, thank you, Gary Michaels, here as we uh, carry on on our, our show here. And I, I wanted to mention also for listeners that are well aware, it's a large field. There's a lot of practitioners, and there's one group of people called Certified Immigration Consultants. And as Gary, you know, one of them is Eli Nisrallah. And uh, he's written um, quite a bit extensively in Canada and in the Middle East and abroad on, on the topics. And it, it just didn't fit into this uh, in this show to, to have him on on these larger issues, although he's on regularly on the specifics on how we immigrate. But we're not going to go into that area in case anybody was wondering about that. But I'm going to go back now to our um, immigration and refugee lawyer. Uh, Julie Top to finish up her, her her general overview for a couple of minutes, and they're going to ask each guest, starting with you, uh, Margaret Coppola, to uh, maybe each of you, then Joe, then uh, Julie, pick up on one main thing for listeners to listen to is that that you need that you think it needs to get fixed. In fact, while you're on the uh, Julie, I think while I'm thinking about it, while you're on the mic, Julie, when you finish your general overview, maybe I can ask you to pick one thing that you think needs to be fixed. If you want to mention a couple others that we can explore tomorrow, more that's fine. But I'm going to turn it back to you then. 
Well, in generally speaking, it's, I'm sure that most listeners are, may not be aware of the fact that Canada has sort of a three-pronged immigration system. There's the skilled workers, and as Joe Bissett said, that only about 17 to 20 percent of all the immigrants that come to Canada come through this program, where they're assessed for their skills and their ability to contribute to Canada and to settle. Then we have the family reunification, the sponsorship program, family sponsorship program, which in and of itself is a correct thing to do if you want to sponsor your your spouse or your dependent children. However, we've extended it beyond what is generous and allowing sponsorship of parents and grandparents who've never really contributed with their tax dollars to uh, Canada's uh, social programs and health program, yet they become automatically entitled to it once they arrive. So that that's a huge problem. Then the third area, the third means of coming into Canada is through the refugee program, which of course is necessary, but it is dysfunctional under the current legislation and that has to be reformed. So each area, each of these three areas need to be scrutinized and do need to be overhauled in an overhaul, in a general uh, reform of the entire immigration legislation. Okay, well, thank you, Julie. And um, um, that's, a, that's a great sort of tri, uh, it's like a, it makes me think of a tripod, a three-legged chair. When one leg is broken, the chair falls. So you made me think of a tripod of immigration policy. That was an interesting metaphor. Um, now, Margaret uh, Coppola, maybe, you know, picking up on what Judy just said in terms of changes, maybe you can highlight something. And also, uh, what uh, opportunities or um, d- developments have you experienced thus far with your group on getting the ear of government to even discuss these matters? The, um, I, I would just like to interject and clarify for, for listeners um, so there's no mistake. Um, we as a group are very pro-immigration, pro-immigrant. There's no question about that. Our issue is with policies, purely with policies. Um, and to that end, that's where, where our efforts are being, uh, being applied. Um, we are, I think that, that the, the thing that's always impressed me about this whole area is the fact, and as I get more deeply into it and learn more from our experts, um, the fact is that there isn't any aspect of our daily lives that isn't affected in some way by immigration, whether it's, whether it's the environment, surprise, surprise, whether it is, a, whether it is our salaries, uh, whether it is the price of our homes, uh, whether it is our ability to access health care. Immigration has impacts right across a whole range of, of, of areas. Um, so it's important for listeners. And one of our objectives is to encourage Canadians to find out more of exactly how our immigration system works so that they can become more active and, and more thoughtful on this, on this issue. Um, so that said, um, let me start with one area that uh, we have adopted as our first um, objective, uh, which is that immigration intake should be based on Canada's economic benefit. Now, I'm going to hand out, this is where the experts have to come in and speak, speak so I'm going to hand this one over to Joe. <laughs> Good segue. <laughs> Thanks, Margaret. No, but you're absolutely right. Uh, our immigration policy... Uh, Really, right from the Second World War on, uh, even though 
at the initial stages it was a discriminatory policy, discriminatory policy. At least uh, it was directed in the national interests of Canada. And the people that we brought here in those years uh, were expected to be able to get here and establish themselves fairly quickly. And they always did. We had a, we had an outstanding success record with the people who came here. Many of the, your listeners are probably part of those people. Things, as I said, started to go wrong when they changed the selection criteria in the early 90s to put emphasis on education. And so now it's almost impossible for any tradesman, a mechanic, a, an upholsterer, a carpenter, a cabinet maker, a stonemason, a tool maker to get, to get into Canada because they can't, they don't have the university education. And as a result of that, we have, as you know, large numbers of immigrants that are here, highly qualified from an educational point of view, who are simply not finding jobs. Part of the reason for that is we give a point for every year of education regardless of where the person went to school. So if you've been to uh, Harvard you get, uh, and, and you've got a PhD, you get 24 points. If you've been to a small college in some remote part of Kazakhstan and you've been to school for 24 years, you get 24 points. Uh, as a result of that, a lot of the people coming here simply can't meet the qualifications to practice their professions. Now, on top of that, as I said earlier, the, the name of the game now is numbers. So we, we're trying desperately hard, each government, to bring in 1% of the population a year. That's roughly 300,000. They don't have the capacity to quite reach that, but they're striving hard to do it. Uh, they're all going, basically, as I said, into three cities. They're not doing well. On top of that, we have a backlog now, or we did have a year ago, of 950,000 people outside of Canada who have met all of the qualifications to come here, and we are legally obliged to take those people. On top of that, we have a backlog before the Refugee Board of 62,000 people, people who walk into the country, many of them without any documents, often smuggled by international criminal gangs uh, without documents, and they claim they're persecuted in their own country. In the year 2004, we have citizens of 152 different countries coming here claiming persecution. People from Sweden, from Germany, from the United States. I mean, it's absolute nonsense. On top of that, in the last two years, we brought in 360,000 temporary workers. These are people, for the most part, with very poor language skills, and many of them are completely unskilled workers into Tim Hortons, into the meatpacking plants around Brandon, Manitoba, the first people to get hit if there's a recession. Mm -hmm. This government, as we were going into this current recession, refused to lower the immigration levels and increased them this year and also brought in more temporary workers than ever before. Well, I hope we wish we could increase the time of the show, but, you know, it's great that Chen Radio gives such quality time. That was quality information you can hear from Joe's voice in this panel. They not only have confidence in the field, they have compassion in the field. As Margaret said, there's full support for this, but it's got to be, it sounds like it's, it's got to be a better balance for the future. And there's, what we're going to talk about tomorrow in part two is some future issues. You mentioned some things, all of you, that made me think of some things. There's the Educated International Professional Initiative, the Algonquin College has the second um, conference next year. I was the moderator for their luncheon this year. That's a very interesting area. You mentioned about people coming here and having rights under the Charter of Rights. You come into the country, you have rights. I'd like to get into that. Also, we talked, Joe, we were preparing on Friday, too, about the, not, I don't want to write the word, maybe not ghettoization, but how groups are sort of getting compartmentalized. And I mentioned at the, the Canadian Ethnocultural Council, Anna Chiapa, did a four-day conference on intergenerational conflict between immigrants and the next generation born here and the UN study about the potential problems in the future. So you can see we have lots to discuss tomorrow morning in our in our second part with uh, 
with uh, our facilitator, Margaret Coppola, uh, James Joe Bissett, a retired ambassador, um, and Julie Taub, uh, immigration and refugee lawyer, who are um, working to set up um, an NGO in Canada. I was just wondering, Margaret, before we leave the show, and I look forward to our part two tomorrow and invite our listeners to listen in, um, did you want to make uh, just a comment about that NGO a little bit more so we can wrap up that piece today? Um, as I indicated, we're in the process of pulling this organization together, activists, academics, and um, um, uh, uh, experts from a very wide uh, network of people and specialists in various fields, very wide, very deep knowledge on the relevant issues to do with immigration. Um, We hope to launch as early as February, at which time perhaps we'll be back on the show and give out some coordinates and some contact information about how... Uh, people can contact us or even help. Well, they, the general public would love to be involved, and I uh, can't wait to be involved with all three of you on part two tomorrow. You know, Gary, we went from 1870 from 3 million population. 140 years later, I think we're over 30, about 33 million. And uh, what does the future hold? Well, immigrate, immigrate to our show tomorrow on 97.9 FM and listen to part two with this fantastic panel. Indeed, the invitation is there for you to join us again tomorrow at 1230 here at Chin 97.9. Coming up right after the news at uh, 1, it's the Arabic program with Paula, Lily, and Jerry, and Joseph here. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon.